listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Eric Daw. That dude, that guy, he said, he... Yep, you hate him. indeed welcome to the show it's the fret files podcast your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery mm-hmm. yeah my name's eric daw i'm a <clears throat> guitar scientist by trade 25 years of experience restoring repairing and building guitars my co-host today is nat howdy hey. nat thank you I feel welcome. Thank you. And greetings. Yes. To the listeners. And salutations to all. (laughs) Yeah. I will read the listeners' questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can. You're not reading, are you? Well, this thing's in the... (laughs) Anyway, what's new with you, man? (laughs) Oh, doing good, man. My hands are still cold, but I'm kind of... Well, it's been like zero degrees around here. It's been negative, yeah. It's it when it you know you forget about this lull between the holidays and spring in in northern climes, man. Like we live in up here in uh, up here close to up here in southern Canada. It is a grungy time. Uh, we're not in Canada. It's, that's a joke. It feels like it feels like southern Canada. It's northern climes. That's for dang sure. Yeah, though. but um, you know. It's been negative seven a few times. Like, I took my kids to school, and they had somebody, they had a teacher, like, really wrapped, like, bundled up, yeah, stationed at the door, saying, we're not, lying, we're not lining up outside today. Come in. Go to the gym. Like, yeah. they brought all the kids inside before the bell rang. Yeah, I was thinking the other day, I described it as, it's a heck of a day to line up for the bus. Oh, yeah. You breathe. You just go outside and breathe, and it's like... There's ice. You can feel ice crystals in your lungs, right up the old nose and everywhere. It's rough, yeah. man. I went skiing though. I like it though. It's it. It's uh. You know. It keeps this from becoming a booming metropolis. Well, <laughs> kind of. But that's what we used to think. Well, it's not a boom. It's we live in Idaho Falls. It ain't Idaho. booming. It ain't a metropolis. It's but. a. It's probably twice as big as it was when we were kids, though. Oh yeah. Don't and you think half as many grocery stores? Yeah, what's up with that? The th- grocery stores got way bigger, but farther in between. Way fewer, and you have to drive. Yep, that is a sign of the <clears throat> decline. Well, it all started, and Richard Nixon shut the gold window. Uh, but it's anyway. like the Utahification of, <laughs> it really of is. Southern Idaho. We do have a lot of good chain stores, though. A lot of strip malls. Yeah. Anyhow, what's on my bench, you ask? I was I just getting am, there, yes. I am trying to get custom guitars out the door, but... My schedule is so wacky, um, it's just been difficult because I have a lot going on personally right now that's going... Well, and you got a big passel of them too, don't you? Yeah, the, I do. But it's fixing to calm down. Everything, like, this, like the raging storm in my life that has been my life has, is now ceasing somewhat. Smoothing out, huh? Yeah, there's just been some things. Well, glad to hear it. Long-time listeners might know. Yeah. Well, you deserve it, so <clears throat> not a boy. But anyhow, the um, custom guitars are going out the door. I've got two of them that are ready, almost. And then uh, I'm going to do three, I think, next month. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun, man. I want to. I want to do a red guitar. I've been. I've been itching to do a red guitar. Fiesta red or something. Yeah, like different. Fiesta red, like a Fiesta red. Mm-hmm. S style because we can't use this that other word. Oh, I wouldn't dream of it. Um, and you did a hardtail S style last time, didn't you? Like a that's almost done. And that was that that guitar. What do you call done. an aged white? What was the name? Because it wasn't blonde. Is it's, that right? It's a see through. Oh, white. It's that's a pretty blonde S style color. Yeah, I love a blonde ash 
guitar, like a see-through blonde. Mm -hmm. I love it. Uh, what else am I working on? I am working on a few acoustic repairs, a few broken headstocks that just oh, got boy. shipped to me. Yeah, some. It's yeah. funny. You think we talked about how things always come in waves. They do. Yep. I've got a few refrets lined up. Things have picked up. You know, I was a little. I got a little bit scared. <laughs> Not scared, but uh, the. Uh, Leery, maybe business got a little slow over the holidays. It's okay because I kind of needed it to slow down. That would be great if you knew. Yeah, that we're gonna. <clears> but up. I thought this is great. But I hope the phone starts ringing in January. Well, it mm -hmm. did. It really did. So I've got plenty to do. Plenty, plenty. Speaking well, that's fun. Yeah, speaking of plenty to do, I think we got plenty to do for this show. So shall we just dive right in? Yeah, hit the button. Alrighty. Hi Eric, hi Nat, I hope you're well, Happy New Year. This is Ben hi. in the UK. Um, I was just up for a bit of advice really, as I've recently acquired my first ever resonator guitar. Oh. It's a new Recording King, kind of round neck Dobro style, with an aluminium cone and a spider bridge. Uh, but I've never, I've never owned a resonator before, and I'm just wondering if you've got anything, any tips or tricks, things I should know about to keep it kind of roadworthy and gigworthy for years to come. Um, and if you've got any hints, you know, if there's anything you say, oh, well, if you, you should upgrade this and it'll sound five times better. I mean, it already sounds great and it plays great. I mean, I've got no complaints about it, but I just want to make sure it stays that way uh, so I can take it out and hopefully go and do loads of gigs with it this year. Uh, keep up the great work with the podcast. It's excellent. And uh, yeah, stay well. Thanks very much. Bye. Thank you, sir. That was good. Thanks for the call. Uh, did did he say the brand of what he his did say? It's is? a recording king, recording a modern king. recording king. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what a lot of guys do, and and you know, take this with a grain of salt because if you like how the guitar sounds and you like how it plays and you don't have any complaints, because this is what like this is what I always worry about is when guys get like an Epiphone or a hey. you know recording king or something, oh. and then they. Then they want to start swapping out parts. Immediately. Immediately, yeah. yeah. Like, well, let's upgrade the pickups. Let's upgrade the pots. <clears throat> if you if you like how it sounds already, um, don't just go changing out things because somebody like me told you that that's the thing to do. Mm -hmm. If you like it, just roll with it. Just be, don't let the, don't let, uh, what's the saying? Don't let better be the enemy of good. Yeah, that's dang close to it. Something and like I that. am not going to insist on perfection in that phrase. There you go. Uh, also, the that grass is advice. always greener. Yeah. And I don't know. let that, sleeping dogs lie. No, yeah, that's more of a problem. Time. Pandora's boxy thing. A stitch in time saves. It does. Uh, but he's got a round neck Dobro. Oh, yeah. He does yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a man will look around a little. Yeah. Uh, but he recognizes that it is good already, and he does. It kind of wants to know if you've got any special tips for those. And I, I imagine do. it's tricky. Yeah, I think that probably already has a bone nut. I think the recording kings have a bone nut. Uh -huh. If it doesn't, that's one upgrade you could do. Another upgrade: a lot of guys who get these, um, you know, import uh, resonators, mm -hmm. um, Asian-made resonators. What they'll do is they'll replace the cone, which makes a lot of sense. You right. replace the cone with a, a super high-end spun, you know, the nicest cone you can find that f fits. You mm -hmm. you have right. to measure the diameter and order the right cone. It should be. I think they're pretty universal. I can't remember. It's been a while since I've done one. But uh, you can upgrade the cone and or upgrade the saddle. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I would just do the whole cone if you're thinking about it. That's what a lot of guys do because with those resonators, that's really where the sound is coming from. It's like replacing the speaker speaker in an amp. It's really where the sound is yeah, happening. Really similar to changing the speaker. Yeah, and they do uh, sell those readily. And I bet you those recording kings are made to either the uh, vintage specs or kind of normal specs, right? They're probably really good. I mean, I've played a lot of them and thought, um, there's nothing wrong with this. Mm -hmm. But I've never played one back-to-back -back with, like, a national. 
Yeah. Or you Dobro. Know, I've played, I've, you know, I've played all of them before, but it's, it's hard to compare things when it's been months or years, right? Like you pick up, you pick up a Martin copy and you think, oh, this sounds pretty good. But if you play it right next to a Martin, then you realize mm-hmm. how much better the Martin actually yeah, sounds. That's a unique thing. Anyhow, thanks for the call, my that's friend. Good. That's Those are my suggestions about uh, what to upgrade. Really, there's not much else to upgrade on a guitar like that. I don't think it has a pickup. You could you could install a pickup. Oh, did yeah. He, did he say it has a pickup? No, he didn't, and I, I wonder if it doesn't, but... Yeah, would you put those, uh, like a K&K thing on there? K&K makes really good pickups. Even with that's, the resonator? Yeah, that's probably yeah. what I'd put in there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Hi, Eric and Nat. This is Joe in Denver. I have a question about fret sprout. At least I think I do. Um, I've got a Gibson with uh, a bound neck and the uh, binding over the fret end, so it has the nibs. And uh, it's uh, super bumpy. Um, at the end of each fret, where it would protrude out past, but it's, you know, underneath the binding, there's a bump. Uh, and even a little kind of hairline crack uh, in the binding at each place where the fret is, you know, wrapped or covered by the binding. Um, thought I would just get your take on this, uh, let you riff on it a little bit. Don't think I've heard you talk about it. I guess questions I have would be, is there anything I can do about it now with the, if it is, fret sprout, or maybe you could talk about what it is. Um, is there anything I could do about the binding being bumpy and wavy at each of those spots? Uh, definitely noticeable. And I uh, just thought I'd uh, ask you to riff on that topic. Uh, thanks a lot. Much appreciated. Whoa. You betcha. Have you ever seen that before? That is rather arcane. Uh, I don't know if I have, but uh, he described it so dang well. Yeah. Is is fret sprout technically limited to bound and no? Okay. So normally fret sprout happens on non-bound guitars where the fret end comes all the way to the edge of the fingerboard, okay. and what happens is the wood shrinks. Yeah. But the fret doesn't because the fret's metal, right? Oh, and that so you, I know. You end up with sharp sharp fret edges. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem he's got here is with this Gibson. The fret ends, and then the binding is glued right over top of it, and the fingerboard has shrunk, and it's made the little speed bumps. Yeah, where the where, fret ends where are the fret is, Yeah. But they can't get all the way out. Yeah. Boy, it's almost... Yeah, y- you see it on an occasional Gibson. Um, I'm wondering if that... I mean, obviously that guitar has gotten dry it's been allowed to get too dry yep um because that's what causes fret sprout right so the fingerboard is drying out so i would oil the fingerboard and do it several times and it those bumps may diminish they probably won't go away Mm -hmm. entirely but i bet they'll diminish if you can get the fingerboard swelled up a little bit with uh by oiling it now it's probably not going to do a ton it it may help right. that's my yeah. point is it may help but it's not going to solve the problem realistic hopes here um the only way really to solve the problem and this is a bridge too far if you ask me oh, no. would be to remove the binding oh file down the fret edges flush with the uh, with the side of the fingerboard channel again and then rebind it well dang it it's not going to look right i mean unless you really have it done by a pro and they they'll probably you know charge you a ton to do that i don't want to do it <laughs> i could and would the binding uh, come off in one but piece? is it worth no you'd have to rebind it with fresh binding okay is it worth doing that i mean to me it's not i would say no you could um sand the binding and then you know get it smooth again and then refinish it but uh, that's really i wouldn't really recommend doing that either 
Yeah. It's a problem without a solution. That's what it is. I would oil the fingerboard and see if it see if it uh, helps. See how much it helps. Oil the fingerboard, like. Uh, once, times? and then oh, maybe okay. again after two weeks, and then again after two weeks after that, and see see if that helped. Yeah, I don't know. It's it probably isn't going to help that much. To be perfectly honest with you, sorry. I wish I had a better solution for you. It's just one of those problems you see with bound necks that, um, that you just can't really yep. wave a magic wand over it. Yep, it's a tough one. That is, shall we take some uh, questions? Letters. We get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. Hi, Eric and Nat. Love the show. Since COVID began, I've built a few parts casters and had a great time sourcing all of the parts and making them my own. Oh, yeah. Although I admit I built a couple of duds two of them turned out great and are now two of my favorite guitars one is an esquire style where i used the eldred wiring you mentioned hey during the last episode the other is an s style that plays and sounds amazing it is one of the most resonant guitars i have ever played however it also has a flaw where i mounted the bridge a fraction off ah so the bass strings have plenty of room up on the neck but the high e string is really close to the edge of the neck especially the higher up you go it doesn't cause much problem for the way i play but every once in a while it'll cause an issue and more often it just annoys me on an otherwise perfect guitar for me yeah so the ultimate question is do i risk disassembling the guitar filing is it filling that is filling the six neck six neck screw holes and re-drilling and remounting it and risk ruining the mojo that the guitar has? Or do I just leave well enough alone? There's our phrase. Leave well enough alone and enjoy it, flaws and all. Keep up the good work. Eric in the Seattle area. Thanks for writing in. Um, yeah. <clears throat> hmm. Here's one thing you can do that, you know, I, you see this on vintage fenders a lot. Either the bass strings or the treble strings will be way too close to the edge. And the opposite side, the string is too far away from the edge. Mm -hmm. And so what you can do is um, loosen the neck screws and just torque the neck in the direction it needs to go a little bit because it does not take much and there's enough play almost in every case there's enough play in the neck pocket where you can shift things just a hair because you know by the time the strings get all the way out to the nut yeah right that tiny little bit of movement in the in the neck pocket actually is it translates to a pretty big yeah. movement by Over the time that length yeah, yeah you get out out to the headstock so you can Loosen the neck screws a little bit, push the neck in the direction it needs to go, and then clamp, put a clamp uh, where the neck joins the body. Okay, you get some, get some calls, get a clamp, clamp it nice and tight to keep it where you want it, and then tighten up the neck screws. Yeah, without new holes or anything. Without new holes or anything. Okay. I mean, if you really wanted to get nuts, you could... You have to fill you, them all. You could Ugh. fill the holes. But we're talking about a micro-adjustment. And it really it really can correct this problem. Um, I've seen cases where it should, it can't because you have, you'd have to go too far. But assuming that it's not really, really bad. Yeah, that's this what is, it sounds like. This is something that is correctable just by shifting how the neck is is screwed into mm -hmm. the pocket. So try that and see what you come up with. I like it. Yep. Okay, thanks for that question. Eric, what maintenance do you recommend doing to frets to keep them playing their best? 
For example, would you recommend using micro mesh pads to polish frets? Thanks, John in Granville, Ohio. Thanks, John. Those micro mesh pads are pretty good. Um, a lot of guys do different things. A lot of guys use uh, steel wool, <clears throat> really fine steel wool, like quadruple aught steel wool. Is that like a 3M plastic sanding pad? Is that what a micro mesh is? Or yeah. Is that, or is this a stu- kind of a flat? Stuart McDonald and Uh-oh. other places, they sell little fret polishing Okay, specific cloths. for that. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know what the... Do you, you want me to Google this? Is that is No, that I really don't. All right, I'm not Maybe gonna. your heart's telling you to do it, though. Uh, but what I use... Oh, by the way, if you if you do use steel wool... You want to mask off your pickups. Oh, yeah. And make sure you don't get any steel wool particles. Better yet, if it's a removable neck, just remove the neck and polish the frets somewhere far away from the pickups. Steel wool is such a problem getting it around pickups that I almost never use it. What I do to keep uh, frets nice and shiny on the surface is uh, I have a Dremel polishing wheel and a little guard that sits over the fingerboard with just a slit in it so that just the fret um, is exposed, right? It's a Uh little metal shield. You get those from Stuart McDonald, too. Uh, But yeah, I have a Dremel hooked up to a foot control pedal and a flex shaft on the Dremel and then a tiny little polishing wheel and then a, uh, a a fingerboard guard that the fret that protects the fingerboard and just exposes the mm-hmm. fret. And then I polish each fret, man. You can sand it first if um, if it's very rough with like a you know six hundred eight hundred grit sandpaper, oh. all the way up to a thousand, and then polish it. And it really does make a difference for the feel. A nicely polished fret really just makes the guitar feel like it yep. is. I've seen that it a is, nicer guitar. If if our listeners haven't experienced that, you need to try it. Yeah, polishing frets is, you know, I mean, what an easy upgrade, right? Yeah, and it really does make your guitar feel and play better. It really does. I'm surprised. Yeah, thanks for the question, there, John. That is a good one. Hey, Eric. First off, wanted to let you know that it's been a month or so, but I'm still laughing at Nat's quip about TAVA, Tava. I don't know how we do this the in the, truth in the family. About, uh, vintage vintage amps. amplifiers being the, quote, one where the guy got a new microphone and lost all his mystique, yeah. end quote. That's a great podcast, man. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, yeah, I listen to every episode of that. It's a good show. Yeah, it's aspirational for us younger uh junior podcasters. I have an early 2000s MIM made Mexico Strat that holds some sentimental value as my first decent guitar. It was played in many high school bands. Over the years, I have changed the electronics several times, swapped the MIM tuners for MIA, that's America, and replaced the bridge with a Callahan bridge. So I guess it's basically a parts caster at this point, but Mm -hmm. sentimental nonetheless. The guitar is comfortable to play, but the body is very heavy and does not resonate as well as my MIA Strat that made America. Never mind resonating anything like my pinup T style. Oh, oh he yeah. owns one of my guitars. Oh, yeah. Very good. He knows how to get some attention. I like all it. Of, all of a sudden, I'm paying much yeah. closer attention <laughs> to this. I figured. <laughs> Perked right up. So, <laughs> I am thinking of replacing the body with a new nitro body. Hmm. Do you have any tips on mating strat bodies and necks to get the best sounding results? That's an interesting question. How about a strat body wood type? I think the strats I have are alder. My pinup is ash. Yeah, so the ones he's already got Mm -hmm. are alder, and that one is that good lightweight ash. Do you have a preference? And a more philosophical question. When does a guitar cease being... The same guitar. <laughs> Man. Well, yeah, once you've replaced the body and all the parts, 
it has ceased being the guitar it once was, for yeah, sure. The magic essence gone. Maybe you didn't mean that. Um, I tell you what, I prefer lightweight ash. Um, but it's harder and harder to get now. And I'll tell you another thing. I never listen to a record and think, oh man, that sounds like a really nice lightweight ash guitar. Don't you? Hmm. Never. So, um, your mileage may vary, right? A lot. Because, <clears throat> uh, I, I don't know why, so he doesn't like the way it resonates. He's saying it's, it doesn't resonate as well. Well, yeah, and that's a value that you share. You, I mean, there's something to playing these things. It's not just the pure lightweight. It's, there's a wood resonance there. There is. It's how the neck fits in the pocket, too. A okay. nice tight fit yep. helps. And um, he's saying ni- new nitro body, so it, he throws that in there, too. Right. Nitro finished body. Yeah. 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 He's He asked my preference, and that's my preference. Lightweight ash. But I've played plenty of older guitars that sounded killer. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's a philosophical question in itself, really. I like it. <laughs> and we'll just let that keep ringing. Well, I mean, yeah, I, there's, there's not much else I can say. That's good. I've, <clears throat> I've played guitars before that their reputation preceded them, you know, like I would, like working at Emerald City Guitars, I would get word that, okay, the owner just bought a 1954 Telecaster or, or, you know, whatever it was, 1958 Stratocaster. Hush tones. It's gonna come in and you need to go through it and check it out and all this stuff. Right. So sometimes you, you get a guitar on your bench and you strum it and you think, oh man, this thing is going to be so amazing. Yeah. Angels. Quiet. And sometimes it is. And sometimes it's just not. Sometimes a guitar that should impress the hell out of you really lets you down. So, don't let the fact that you're made in Mexico Strat, don't let the fact that it doesn't resonate like you wish it would get you down too much because there's plenty of guitars like that that should resonate better. Or a certain type of wood is some kind of a limit. Yeah. Sometimes there's just a magic uh, like X factor that Mm -hmm. you just can't do anything about. Anyhow, thank you, John. It's a good one. On the subject of truss rodless necks, the guy just jumps right in. Truss rodless. Yeah. How about that for a word? I'm good with it. It. it I was. I was about halfway through before I knew how it was going to end, but I. I think I held up pretty well. On the subject of truss rodless necks, colon, old Dan Electros had. No. No truss rod. Thank you. Gosh. Just fixed metal bars. Yeah, and some harmonies too. Uh, lots of people swear that this is enough and their necks are straight. Of course, lots of people play their old Dano guitars with a slide, yep, because that's the only way they can they can play it anymore, maybe. And lots of old Dano bass players only put light gauge strings on because their neck isn't straight anymore with normal gauge strings. I don't know. I only play modern Danos with adjustable truss rods. And another thing, and this isn't really a question. I like these parenthetical statements. And this isn't really a question because I know you can't really help me, but merely an expression of my frustration with my lack of wiring skills. Why in the world can't I get wiring right on the Dan Electro base I just built? Hmm. I'm trying to do the stack the stack pot two volume two tone thing with or without the on off on switch and I can't get it to work. Oh, those are a pain in the butt. Yeah, you worked on that for me. Swapped it out Did too. I? Yeah. You mm-hmm. made it go away. I've um I've tried to follow a few different schematics I found and I've tried wasn't a very good cliffhanger moment. Copying the wiring on a DC base I have, but no luck. I gave up and did one volume, one tone with the switch. Good man. That's yep. what I would do anyway. That's... Those stacked concentric knobs are 
ridiculous. Yeah, they didn't work either. And uh, you just try controlling one without con- without turning the other. Yeah, functionally the whole bit, they're just not that great. Or, or remembering which is volume and which is tone when when you're right in the middle of a gig. Yeah, they're they're a nightmare. One volume, one tone is the way to go, man. You did it yeah. right. And then probably don't touch them, but you'll yeah. feel better. Anyhow, them. yeah, pick, pick it up there. Like I did. So he did one volume, one tone with the switch, like I did in a previous one, and it works fine. Well buddy there it is and the truth is i always play with both pickups all the way on see there you go we we preempted him there i always play with both pickups all the way on in series with the tone all the way open anyways so i might as well wire it that way without any switches or pots at all but there are holes in the pick guard that look empty without pots or switches that's it like i said there's not really a question there hey that was great for not a question john Mm -hmm. in north bergen new jersey Right on. Thanks, John. Well, he's talking about the truss rodless Danos. And when I got... So somebody asked a question last episode or the one before about truss rodless necks. And uh, I was saying, you know, I'd prefer a neck with a truss rod, Mm -hmm. right? But some vintage guitars, they really did them right. So... uh, the old Dan Electro necks don't just have a rod in there. They have like a, I can't remember if it's a T bar or, or is a channel, or like an a box. I bar. Like um, square? Let's look it up. Yeah, I looked at a few images online, but I can't really remember where I've seen this before. And you, <clears throat> well, if you look at the butt end of a Dan Electro neck, a vintage one, you'll see two channels. really yeah they have two bars side by side oh that run down the length of the neck and it's like a they're like steel like eye beams you know yeah so um they're really stout like like for a truss rodless neck you know those two steel beams really actually do a good job of keeping the neck straight huh you almost never see a vintage Dan Electro with a super warped neck now the bases where the where the necks are longer, um, those can warp, but this like short scale Danos or a, a standard scale Dan Electros, the vintage ones, even though they don't have a truss rod, the necks are usually pretty straight. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's at least in my experience, and I've seen a lot of them. Um, but uh. Uh, you know, when we were talking about that before, a few episodes back, what I was really thinking about was was acoustic guitars. Yeah, I think that was the specific question. And and perhaps I should have clarified that a bit more. But um, yeah, there's there's vintage guitars that that don't have truss rods that I'm not going to complain about. Let's take a little break, and we'll be right back with more. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just cut a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to playersgearmusic, you can order a neck straightening iron, some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I I think it I think it.
think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's it's a tool. I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to playersgearmusic.com, scroll down on the main page, scroll, scroll, scroll down to where it says Fan of the Fret Files Podcast. You click that. That adds one to your cart, and it's 50 bucks off. So instead of $7.49, it's $6.99. $6.99, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Hi, Eric. I'm a guitar player, and I've recently taken on the hobby of building and working on some guitars. I came across your podcast and find it very interesting and helpful. Lots of great info in them to help me learn more about guitars and building them. I have a couple of questions. I'm building a Telecaster with a TV Jones Powertron. It's a humbucker, I guess, for the neck pickup. TV Jones Starwood Tele single coil for the bridge. 250 kilo-ohm pots for the volume and tone. The switch is a four-way selector. What's that? Both? Both. Bridge, bridge, Oh, bridge. Yeah. Four-way selector with bridge. Oh, I like that. Bridge, neck, parallel, neck. Bridge and Neck series. Dang it. That's interesting. I like that switch. Uh, Van Dyke and Harms Tele Bridge. Heard of that? Nope. Okay. And here are the questions. Will the 250K pots be an issue with the TV Jones Powertron Neck pickup? What is the best wiring scheme for this? Have you used the Van Dyke slash Harms Bridge? Nope. That was quick. Uh... 250k pots are going to be fine the only thing that you might find is that neck pickup might be a slight bit dark with 250k okay but probably not it's probably going to be fine he says what's the best wiring schematic for this well what you've described is very unique so you're going to have to design your own Oh, yeah. A four-way selector. Well, a four-way selector that's going back and forth between parallel Parallel and series. series. That's that's a tall order, dude. I don't know if you realize what a tall order that is, but... um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would have to sit down with pen and paper and really, like, write down a schematic and then troubleshoot it by hooking it up. Yeah. Yeah. That would take a while. Two or three times. Oh, yeah. And then abandoning the entire project. Well, that is good. Well, that's that's fun that he's working on that. He's got a little bit more here. This is from... Yeah, go for it. Greg. Also, I'm working on a 1975 Les Paul Custom. Is it a good idea to update slash change anything on it, or should I leave well enough alone? Second time we've seen that phrase. Will doing any work on it, changing pickups, etc., devalue it even if I keep the older parts for when I decide to sell it. I want to keep it for at least another 10 to 15 years, but I don't want to devalue the guitar for future sale. That's uh, keep up the good, keep up the great podcasts. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. So 75 Les Paul Custom, is it a good idea to swap parts out? Man, I'd leave it alone. Yeah. I would leave it alone. Um, especially because, you know, yeah, you can always put pickups back in, but what you can't do is get factory solder joints back. Okay. So if it, if it's unmolested, let's leave it that way. Yeah. I know 75 isn't exactly the golden era of electric guitars, but still that's a valuable guitar that it just gets a year older every year. And, um, I would. I would just leave it the way it is, man. 
Yeah, let it be what it is, huh? Yeah. Thanks, Greg. That is a good question. Do you want to go back and do the one you skipped? I do. I got an arrow next to it. Hi, Eric. Love the podcast and appreciate all the knowledge you're passing along. I have a 2009 Nash T52 that has an annoying, harsh, an annoying, harsh ringing, overly loud B string. It's quite a series. It's like a harmonic note that's out of tune. Dang. It happens when the string is played open and also fretted. I started with a string change and setup. I set the action high just to see if that changed anything. No luck. I've switched the saddle on the E and A with the saddle of the of the E and B to eliminate any worn grooves in the saddle. No luck. It does seem to fret a bit sharp when fretting on the lower frets, one to four or so. And as I move to the 12th fret, it gradually intonates perfectly, mm-hmm. which the plot thickens at that point, which makes me think it could be a nut or fret issue. This confuses me because it happens with open notes and fretted, and I would think when fretted, you'd eliminate the nut. Please help. That's from Ben. The intonation thing you describe is is pretty much every guitar. Um, the the weird overtone and harmonic clashing thingy. Yeah, if it happens when it's fretted too, then it's not the nut. Something vibrating, mechanical. Well, that's what I'm wondering. If it could be <clears throat> like a. Oh, what's the effect that Tesla described where just the just the right frequency will make the bridge vibrate? Yeah, well, it's just a harmonic. It's so there could be a weird um, harmonic resonance in the pickup. Yeah, you know? resonant frequency. Yeah. That's, that's the ticket. Yeah, vibrating the coils or something. So, so if you're hitting the resonant frequency of, say, the truss rod, mm-hmm. then you're going to have this weird strange rattle that just it's gonna sound like the string that's what i'm thinking yeah it ain't lupus look at everything all your hardware the tuners um i've seen (laughs) i've seen guitars where there's a bare metal wire running from like a like a hollow like a like an epiphone casino or something Mm -hmm. there's a bare wire running from the tailpiece through the guitar, you know, the hollow body up to the electronics, and that thing starts vibrating. Yeah. And you'll just go nuts chasing down these weird overtones. I can see uh, it's that. really hard to do. It's really hard to find. Um, if you hit the same note but on a different string, see, but he said, but it's not said, one note, it's, it's the whole not, string up so and it's down. It's not a pure, simple harmonic and it's worse worst on the it's worse on the beast yeah you know huh. you, he, he, he talked about intonation being slightly off when you fret down by the nut and then yeah. gradually getting perfect a bit sharp lower yeah um but that's pretty standard that's that's pretty standard i mean intonation is a compromise it's yeah. always kind of just a compromise at very best like at its most ideal. Uh, but I don't know what's causing this overtone. That's something that I would Overly just have to sit down too. with. Yeah, that's... So, I wonder if it's a pickup interaction that's somehow like a pull piece or something. Or a, or a spring rattling. Yeah. Yeah, just the right spot. That's a tricky one. Yeah. Adjust the truss rod. Give it a tweak. Yeah, even if you put it back. Move it. I like it. It could be the nut because, you know, the string still will vibrate behind a fretted hand. Yeah. It, it could be a lot system. of things, man. And and really, I'm all I can do is grasp at straws here um, with no conclusion, right? Without it on my bench. So these, those are some suggestions. You can also offer sincere sympathy, which you've done. Yes. And I appreciate that. Well, All I, right. do, I do what I can. <laughs> Eric, question for your podcast, if you haven't already addressed this one before, and maybe even if you have. I noticed a lot of old 
I've noticed a lot of old Fender guitars and some new ones seem to occasionally choke out around where the neck meets the body or a bit lower around the 15th fret. Now, why is this? I've heard that old Fender guitars can have an issue with the end of the neck rising, but I'm uncertain why that is or if it's a separate issue. Are they related? If not, what are the things that can cause this issue to happen even when the guitar plays superbly up and down the rest of the neck? What are the solutions? Enjoying the podcast. Cheers from Michael. Yeah, buddy. Um, the problem with, uh, the problem with an adjustable truss rod is that it does not, it does not correct the neck from nut to the very end of the neck, right? It's anchored like under the second fret or something. And then the adjustment nut goes in inside the hole that's drilled out of the heel, right? Yeah. And it starts adjusting like somewhere up around the, I don't know, like the 15th fret or somewhere something. I don't count that where, high well, or play. Also where, you know, because the, where the neck attaches to the body, it's yeah. a big square thing. And then when you get back to the part where the neck is contoured for your hand... There's less wood there, yeah. and it's more prone to warp. So it's not attached to a body. So because it's not, yeah, because it's not being uh, counteracted on by the force of the truss rod, yep. and because it's screwed to the body, uh, the very end of the neck there tends to do a slightly different thing than what the rest of the neck is doing. Yeah. And so you end up with... Uh, guitars especially vintage fenders where they have a seven and a quarter inch radius where if you go to do like a stevie ray vaughn bend on that high e string you'll Way just choke there? right out oh because you're pushing the string so far uphill that it just chokes out so there's a few things that that can be done to counteract this and one thing that i like to do is make sure that the neck is adjusted as straight as possible with the truss rod because a lot of techs and a lot of players, they like to set the truss rod to where the neck has a little bit of relief. Okay. That's great on an acoustic guitar. On electric guitars, I like to make sure the neck is as straight as possible. Because with electric guitars, we typically have lower action yep. and lighter strings. So you can get away with a flatter neck, and that's that helps if you can get the... Don't, don't put relief in it. Get it as flat, get it as straight as possible. The other thing that can be done to help correct this is to um, taper off the high frets by doing a slight fret level up in that area. Okay. And the third thing that can be done, barring those other two things, uh, is you can heat press the the rise out of the end of the neck. You can use a, a a neck heater, a neck press, and force it to do what you want yeah. with heat and pressure. So those are the three things that I use to combat that that fender neck rise that can happen. And it's usually not bad enough that you have to do anything extreme. Typically, setting it up properly with an with no relief. Uh, that typically is all it really takes to to fight that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. Indeed. Does that is that it? That's all I can handle. And and I ran out of words. That does it for the show. Yeah, that's it. Ain't no more. Um I am getting closer and closer to having my schematic book done. In one of these next episodes, I will announce that I'm going to do like a pre-sale. Oh, boy. Yeah. And maybe the next episode, I hope, I don't know, it's a little bit out of my control because I'm working with some other people that are helping me. So, um, But we're getting close, man. Soon. It's pretty neat. I, this book I've been talking about for years 
will actually be done, and I'm going to do a pre-sale, and uh, then we'll be shipping them out, man, like within a few months here. That'd be quite a good little project to get to. It's finished. exciting. So yeah, that is good. Keep uh keep a sharp eye out for that. Believe me, you won't miss it. If you listen to the show, I'll be screaming it. Oh, we have a little thing to talk about. That'll be good. Uh, if you want to participate in the show, the best way to do that is to go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there, and I will use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. That number is 757-774-8482. And we'll use your call or your text as part of the show. Thank you, Nat, for helping me You're once welcome. again. It's fun. He's the, he's the permanent fill-in. Yep. There's still a blank on the You top do a of great job. Page. Well, this is... Well, it says... Oh, come on. They don't even know what you're referring to. Well, they are going to appreciate the part where you had to help me pronounce the word, too. No. You're doing a great job. <laughs> you want to point out your flaws. That's something people people are prone to do. Yeah. And there's I need no to reason learn. for it. I'm an, I, I need to learn to let go. It's been a kind of an undercurrent of this whole show. I like it. Just let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. 